Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Does your life ever get messy? Would it shock you to hear that God will gladly step into the messiness of your life? The reason for that is God's unfailing love towards you. The only problem with that is getting us to believe it. In Psalm 31, we see that David believed God and His Word. That enabled David to press on in faithfulness in his life, and it will do the same for you. When you do this, your anxious heart is replaced by the stability of God and His promises. It's critical we all learn how to do this. So let's listen to David in part two of Pastor Jim's message, The High Calling of Looking and Loving. Remembering who God is will always be there for you. Because if it's who you are, I got to remember who I am. You still, you're still fighting your emotions. You're still fighting your anxiety. But remembering who God is will stick with us. The idea of taking refuge of God, the idea is of God's security and protection is very common in the Psalms. But I got to say something after studying them all through and then teaching through so many of them, I find that sometimes there's just a little catch sometimes, just a little catch. And it, and, and it kind of goes like this. Trials, trouble, great difficulty are an opportunity for us to cry out to the Lord to be our refuge. I mean, if everything's going great, why are you like, you know, be my refuge? What are you gonna, like, what are you going to do? Like if you go out on a raft or something like that? Oh, Lord, you know. Save me if I'm drowning or something like that. No, no, you're never going to cry out. I'm never going to cry out to God to be our refuge and to be our strength unless there are trials. And when there are those trials and those opportunities present themselves, um, what happens is they are also meant to deepen our relationship with the Lord. You know this from human experience. When you go through a deep trial with someone, what does that do? That bonds you. That bonds you. You can go through successes with people and you're like, yeah, that was last week. But you could, you would go through a deep trial with someone or you go like, I remember a time, man, that that guy was there for me or she was there for me or we went through that together. And that really bonds people together. And so what is David doing? He's inviting God into his trial. And by inviting God into his trial, that is bonding him closer to God. If we don't do that, we can proclaim that we love and trust God, but true love and true test of God is tested by what? Pain, suffering, great difficulty. In the New Testament, 1 Peter writes this, 1 Peter 1, 6, and 7, in this you greatly rejoice, now you're like, oh, this sounds good. Though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. So you're rejoicing and you have trials. You're like, yeah, he's just like David. He doesn't know where he's coming or going. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise, honor, and glory of the revelation of Jesus Christ. A faith that is not tested is no faith at all. 
Can I please say that again? A faith that is not tested is no faith at all. And right now, in the days we are living in, it is testing time. So get your number two lead pencils ready. (laughs) Some of you remember that, right? Stay inside the lines. We are in a time of testing. In verse three, he says, lead me and guide me. That's the word nahal. And that doesn't mean a divine guidance for God's will. That's like this very American concept. We're just always looking for God's will. And for so many people that are spending so much time looking for God's will, what are they doing while they're waiting? Absolutely nothing. No, no. This word actually describes God's concern and his guiding the helpless to a place of rest. What a beautiful picture that paints for us. So David says, do it for your namesake. So he says, lead me to that place of, of, of rest. I admit I'm helpless. Lead me to the place where I rest in you, God, for your namesake. So people will see it. I will experience it. And we will certainly know, God, it was you who did it. That's not what we do, is it? We cry for relief. I mean, you got a headache for one minute and you're like, where's the Advil? You know, something hurts and you're like, oh man. Some of your friends are like, try Tylenol. Oh, okay, where's the Tylenol, right? We, we, just, we just constantly want immediate relief. But notice David doesn't cry out for relief as much as he cries out for God's glory. And when he does it, it produces patience as he knows that suffering and pain has a much higher purpose than we will ever know. We may realize it sometimes in this life, but often it is we won't see it until the next life. Verse five, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. So Jesus said from the cross, the idea is I entrust my spirit to you, Lord. So into your hands, I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me. Jesus didn't pray that, did he? Because, you know, he said, mean, the idea is you've rescued me out of trouble. Oh, Lord, God of truth. I have hated those who regard useless idols. Some versions say worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. And the result is what? Verse seven, I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy. That's that Jewish word, hesed, hesed. Some people translate it, your faithful love, your steadfast love. For you have considered my trouble. Some versions say you've seen my affliction. You've known, you've known my soul in adversities. Another version, the distress of my soul or the anguish of my soul. Another version says you have known the troubles of my life. Verse eight, and have not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. He says, you have not delivered me into the hand of my enemy. In another version, you have set my feet on a wide place. Some versions say on a spacious place. What do you mean? I'm not hanging on the edge of the cliff. I'm not on one of those little thin walkways trying to get away from my enemy. So he begins with, into your hands, I commit my spirit. You see, the Psalms was Jesus's prayer book. I'll make the case to you. That's why you might want to make it your prayer book. And to, to say into your hand as I commit my spirit, what a great prayer to begin each day, isn't it? 
tremendous prayer. David realized, and this is such an important concept of why you might want to adapt the prayer of into your hand I commit my spirit. David realized that no matter what happens, he is in God's hands, not in the hands of his circumstances. Can I repeat that, please? Save myself a lot of counseling time. David realized that he was in God's hands. No matter what happened, he was in God's hands, not in the hands of his circumstances. There is no place, no place where that is better demonstrated than the cross of Christ. When you look at the cross of Christ, and if you believed that Jesus was a follower of God, you don't have to believe it at that moment. You're there. You don't believe that he's the Messiah. You're not sure if he's the Messiah. You're watching what happens, and you're thinking, God is not very good. Good luck trying to convince Jesus of Nazareth of that. And that's why he prayed that. Nor David. It doesn't seem right now that he's delivered but he gloriously looks forward to it. He is confident that his deliverance is coming. You say, how do they do this? I mean, how do people have attitudes like this? Well, it's actually in verse seven, he says, I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy. I will be glad and rejoice in your faithful love, in your steadfast love. In other words, that David believes the word of God. I know a lot of times we say like we believe the word of God, but then we go out and live our lives like we don't believe the word of God. David believes the word of God that God's loyal love does this. That God's loyal love gladly steps into the messiness of our lives. Is there any of your lives have any messiness in it? No, good, liar. Uh, (laughs) God gladly steps into the messiness of the lives of his children. Verse 8, he speaks of this God's stability. Times are tough, yet faith or trust has David's heart, mind, and soul where? In a wide place. His feet are on solid ground. He's not on the edge of the cliff. He might be near death, but he is not on the edge of the cliff. Why? Because the circumstances, he's not in the hands of the circumstances. He is in the hands of God. Now, do you see what David is doing here? We talk about this all the time. David is preaching to himself. He's not listening to himself. David is preaching to himself. And he's also preaching to God. He's reminding God of what God said. Not like God doesn't know, but God loves to hear that from his children. Well, daddy, you said, oh yeah, I did. I did. Okay. Don't worry about it. And he's not listening to, or he's using the preaching to himself to tune out the loud, loud, loud preaching of what? Our anxious hearts. Doesn't your anxious heart preach so loudly? It's like God's voice is like, on volume one and and it only goes up to volume 10 and your anxious heart is like on 15. And so he's preaching to himself. 
But then you say like, oh, well, I can't do that. I get overwhelmed. Well, so does he. Look at verse nine. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Another version says, I am in distress. I am in sorrow. My eyes waste away with grief or, or anguish. Another version says, it seems like he's just crying and, and, he, and he can't stop crying. Yes, my soul and my, my body. Another version says, my whole being. For my life is spent with grief. Another version says, spent with sorrow. Another one says, consumed by anguish. And my years with sighing. Another version says, my, and, and with groaning. My strength fails because of my iniquity. Or, or another version says, my sinfulness. And my bones waste away. Another version says, my, my bones grow weak. What's the deal? He is out of gas. He is out of gas and he knows it. He is joyless and he knows it. The circumstances, he's preaching to himself, but the circumstances still keep creeping in. Even one, give him one little break and they, and they sneak in and, and they overwhelm him. It's just like this, this flood you can't stop. Verse 11, I am a reproach or some versions say ridiculed among all my enemies, but especially among my neighbors, and am repulsive, another version says, an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me outside, some versions say on the street, flee from me. They're like, oh, here he comes. Let's get out of here. I am forgotten like a dead man, out of the mind. I am like a broken vessel. Some versions say like broken pottery. You know, they didn't have, uh, you know, pots and pans like we do. They didn't have Tupperware like we do. They had pottery. And when it broke, what did they do? Toss it out and went down to the pottery man and bought more pottery. They discarded it. He said, I feel like a person who's been discarded by so many. For I hear the slander, uh, some versions say whispering, others gossip of many Fear, some versions, terror is on every side while they take counsel, some versions, while they scheme, while they conspire together against me, they scheme or they plot to take away my life. So he begins by saying in verse 9 and 10, I'm spent. I am utterly exhausted. And while some of you were probably saying in the first eight verses, I wish I could be that way. Right now you're going, now we're hitting it home, David. Now we're connecting with the way that I feel right now. Stress is absolutely, he's telling us that stress is taking its toll on his body and his emotions. He is completely drained of energy. So he pours out his heart to God. Why? Because he loves God, he knows he's loved by God, but he also knows that by pouring our heart out to God, that is the way we get spiritually healthy. That is the pathway back to spiritual health again. So he knows that he's in physical and spiritual trouble, and he says, have mercy on me in verse 9. Despite my sin, he says to the Lord, be gracious towards me. You see, it seems like David knows something that I'm not so sure a lot of us really think about. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a plasticness about, 
American Christianity. I, I really, I don't like it. I'm not a fan of it. We've had plenty of people leave our church say, and I'm like, well, what was the matter? And they go, Pastor Jim, man, you are just too real. I mean, it's like, man, I, you, every week reaching down into my heart and put, laying it out right in my palm of my hand. So I got to look at it, man. Come on. And I'm like, well, isn't that what God does to you? And they're like, well, yeah, but I don't want to hear it in church. I'm like, okay, fine. Uh, so, but, uh, you, so, so you went fluffy, pretend like li- real, like unreal life. And they're like, well, kind of. Well, sorry, you're not going to get that here. I didn't, I didn't quit the, you know, I didn't sell a bunch of companies to go into the ministry to tell people, God has a wonderful plan for your life and everything's going to go great every day uh, because that would be lying. That's not true. And so he's just, he's just totally shot out. And he seems to know that stuffing our deep hurts. Isn't that why a lot of people end up in counseling? Sometimes people are in counseling in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s from stuff than when they were eight years old. And you should go. David knows that stuffing our deep hurts and denying our emotions is spiritually and psychologically damaging. He knows that. And so he's pouring his heart out. To be honest, this is a big concern that I have for many of the followers of Jesus, I know that they're hurting right now, that they're overwhelmed by so many different things right now. And not only won't they tell their Christian brothers and sisters, they won't even tell God. They won't even talk to God about it. If that's you, friend, I I, I have to tell you, you are not alone. I mean, I, I, the, the emails and texts and conversations I have all week long, that's a lot of what it is about. You know, we don't announce it. Hey, listen, these are the people having problems this week. Oh, look at her. Oh, what a mess. You know, we don't do that. <laughs> we don't do that. But you are not alone by any stretch of the imagination. And some of us handle it better than others. You know, for sure. We, we, we do with it better than others. I'm not saying stuffing it is the way to handle it, but some of us are, are just built in, in maybe in that way. But we all experience it. Even Jesus did. Everything that's in here, Jesus has ter- certainly experienced. And we experience it, but a lot of times we deny it. I don't want you to answer this question out loud at all. I want you to take this one home in a doggy bag. I don't know why they call them doggy bags, but. (laughs) Do you do that? Do you stuff your problems or do you pour them out to God? Do you deny your problems or do you pour them out to God? I mean, you got to really think about that. Really. I am so saddened by the bad counsel so many people seek these days. A lot of people seek counsel from the world. A lot of people seek counsel from very unwise Christians. And right now we're seeing a lot of people are going back to their uh, addictions and their ungodly behaviors. 
because they'll don't really have an an outlet. They're they're the you know man just just go for a thirty minute walk every day and just rant and rave with God until it be turned. By the time you get if twenty minutes you're tired of ranting and raving, you're going to be like David, like oh God, thank you for listening. I love you so much. David wisely brings his tears and his trials to the word of God and to the God of the word because he realizes that right now he is isolated. And isolation, loved ones, and I want to say this to the people watching at home and, and, and even people here. Maybe you just come and go, you don't know people or you don't, you don't really speak up in your community group or you don't really want to tell anybody anything. Isolation is a very dangerous thing. It's a very dangerous thing. Now, I know a lot of people go, oh, it's just me and the Lord. It's just me and the Lord. You, do you know you disagree with God? When I hear people say that, I just, I, you, you're, not, you're not like me. I'm, I, I'm just, I'm like, that, that's not right. You just disagree with God. You say, can you prove that? Sure, man, right? Second chapter of the Bible, Genesis 2.18. It is not good that the man should be alone. Adam lived in this perfect place with God. And God says, you know what? He needs another human to talk to. We all need one another. And in this case, those who were called to help David, those who were called to come alongside David have abandoned him. That was the experience of Jesus. That was the experience of the Apostle Paul. That has been the experience of, of many of you. If you're a boss at your job, you were like, oh, I was friends with everybody till I was made the boss. Now nobody likes me. Or if you're any kind of a faith leader, that will be your experience because there is a spiritual warfare that is going on. Once you, once you start to really take that bold step for God, there is a spiritual warfare that will go on that a lot of people are simply not aware of. Now, I know some of you desire to be a spiritual leader. And I will just tell you this, that loyal friends who care about you and your family are pretty hard to come by because you'll find a lot of those friendships are more one-way friendships. You know, people tell you about their problems and then they go, oh, I gotta go. Sorry, I know your life is perfect. <laughs> Perhaps people were lying about him. Instead of going to him and saying, hey, David, could you explain this to me? Uh, this is what I heard, but I don't even need to tell you who I heard it from, but I just really want to, I just really want to know what the deal is. Never believe the first person who tells you. Never, 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 never. It's unbiblical. It's in the Proverbs and it's stupid. Or, or they didn't even defend him. They didn't even stick up for him. Some of you have experienced that with me. You, you've come after me with some of the staff people and I have, I have defended them to you. And then they got in my office and I said, did you say that? And they go, yes. I go, what the heck were you thinking? <laughs> but we have to defend one another. And people believed it. And he felt all alone. He feels like a piece of broken pottery, easily discarded and easily replaced, worthless to people. 
And if you're a follower of Jesus, let me tell you, and that's the way you feel, that is a lie from the pit of hell. You have bought into it hook, line, and sinker. That is not you. 2 Corinthians 12, 15, the apostle Paul said, I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. What does he say? I will give it all I have for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. He's like, the harder I work for you, the more I love you, the le- I know what's going to happen, the less you're going to love me. Words that certainly describe the lack of love people have for Jesus. And I'm not just talking about people who back in Jesus's time. I mean, another soul searching question for a lot of people, for a lot of people who claim to be Christians. Who do you really love more, Jesus or yourself? I mean, really, who means more to you, Jesus or your kids? Jesus or your job? These are very, very soul-searching things. Thanks for listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to bring you hope, encouragement, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us that Changed by Love will make a profound difference in many lives. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Teaming together in prayer is the key to a spiritually rich life. It really does take a team of praying individuals to reach thousands. Thank you for being a part of the Changed by Love support team. To find out more ways to team with Changed by Love, go to our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you could call 862-217-9686. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.